Nation. I'm your host, Hemahe Mooley Jr. And joining me as always, on the ones and twos, the local lovable Canuck himself, Zach Hicken. <laughs> I thought you were going a different direction <laughs> with this at first, but then I just realized what it was. Well done. Well done. Bamani! Bamani! Uh, a little inside joke for between him and I. Uh, no, uh, glad to be back. Um, I just made the trip back from Tucson. You look, uh, you look like you got that Arizona glow about you. Yeah. <laughs> I I don't know what that is. It might be like radiation poisoning from like the wind blowing from all the nuclear testing facilities in New Mexico. I don't know. I don't know, but uh, no, I, I spent the weekend down in Tucson with the Utes. Uh, another big win for them. Um, in fact, if you want to uh, recap everything that happened with the Utes this weekend, uh, check out our website, kslsports.com. It's actually the website, funny that I mention it, that like powers this whole operation, this whole podcast. Uh, so yeah, if you guys haven't yet, check out kslsports.com. We got you covered, whether a Ute, Cougar, Aggie. A jazz fan, a real Salt Lake fan. If you like preps, mm-hmm. we're the place to go for preps. Just uploaded all of our uh, content up on the YouTube and on our uh, on our website for uh, Game Night Live, our last Game Night Live of the season. Mm-hmm. Transitioning to Sports Beat Saturday next week, and so yeah, check it out. Um, and uh, yeah, let's let's uh, actually start off with the Utes, though. Okay, a lot. A lot, a lot happened with the Utes this weekend in terms of uh, their road to the college football playoff. Um, so, number one, Penn State lost uh-huh. to Ohio State. Ohio State's number two. We talked last week that, um, you know, if if Penn State got that upset, it might help the Utes out. It's The, the Utes still have an opportunity to land in the top four with Ohio State winning, though, because... Um, Really, what they need to happen is to have Alabama and or Georgia lose mm-hmm. to get in the top four. Mm-hmm. They would have had to have Oregon lose also. Hopefully, it would have been in the Pac-12 championship game against yeah. the Utes. But instead, the Ute, the the Ducks fell in an upset to Arizona State. Crazy. Crazy game. That's like the Pac-12 after dark. The epitome yeah. of Pac-12 after dark, which... The whole Pac-12 was turned upside down yesterday. Cal beat Stanford. First time in nine years. Yeah. That's nuts. They got the axe back, and they tripped and fell on it. That was pretty (laughs) funny. Um, Oregon State almost beat Washington State, but Washington State won the game as time expired on a running play. Yeah. Of all things. It was like a 59-58 was the final. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, and yeah, Arizona State beat Oregon. Colorado beat Washington. Yeah, like the Pac-12 was drunk last night. Yeah, it was crazy. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. Although that's that's like the third or fourth time that's happened this season. Yeah, <laughs> just things turned upside down. And you know what? In unfortunately, this affects the Utes. This mm-hmm. this Oregon loss affects the Utes because the Utes needed a really quality a top. Eight win mm-hmm. on their resume to really make a case to uh, make it to the college football playoff. But don't panic. I still think that there's a road 
to it, okay? We're going to talk about that road before we talk about the Utes game. Um, uh, before we recap the Utes game. So like we said earlier, we said it last week, if Alabama loses to Auburn this week, mm-hmm. that puts the Utes into the top five. They're number six right now. I'm, I'm sure that they they won't be lower than six in the college football playoff rankings when those come out Tuesday. Mm-hmm. So uh, they move into the top six with the Oregon loss. If Alabama loses next week um, to Auburn, then they won't. Then heading into championship game week, they won't be any lower than five. Mm-hmm. And then if Georgia loses to LSU in the in the in the SEC championship game and Utah continues to win then they get that number four seed. And I actually think with this win against Arizona, I think people are starting to recognize just how good Utah is. Mm-hmm. So to recap, Utah went 35-7, to an absolutely dominating performance. Honestly, it should have been 49 to nothing. Sure. The Utes left 14 points on the board with um, they got stopped on the one-yard line as time expired in the, second, in the first half in the second quarter. Uh, Zach Moss was stuffed at the goal line um, uh, to make the score 14-0 to at the half. Mm-hmm. They come out, they score three touchdowns in um, the third quarter, but Tyler Huntley threw a pick into the end zone, some miscommunication on, on the route with his wide receiver, Damari Simpkins. And then the youth honestly should have got a shutout. Arizona scored with like a little more than a minute left, I think, mm-hmm. um, on fourth and seven against the second string defense. If they left in the first string defense, those guys pitch a shutout. For sure. And I don't think Arizona would have got more than 100 yards. And this is pretty pretty impressive because Arizona is a top offense in the country. They produce over 400 yards of offense on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. And Utah put up over 500 yards. So um, if you're looking just at the score, it doesn't look quite as dominant as it was because they outgained Arizona like 500 plus yards to 113 or something like that. That's crazy. Yeah, just an absolutely dominant performance. Um, and I think anyone who watched that game last night was giving props to Utah. A lot of national media members were putting Utah in their top four after mm-hmm. that game. So it was a it was a big win. I don't know that it was a statement win yet, though, for the Utes because they have an opportunity to make a statement this week. Yeah. They're playing Colorado at 5.30 on ABC. Great news. First time the Utes have played on ABC since 2005. So in 14 years, this is a primetime game. The country's going to be watching. Mm -hmm. And my message to Kyle Winningham and the University of Utah football team, R-U-T-F-S. Run up the freaking score. <laughs> they need to win this game against Colorado 63 to nothing. They need to stomp on Colorado. They need to stomp on Colorado. They need to be dynamic. They need to complete long passing touchdowns. They need to complete. They need to run for, you know, 50-yard-plus touchdowns. Yep. Um, they got to do big things on special teams. Bradley and I, go out there and get a pair of sacks, man. He needs to kill somebody. Like, people are talking about Chase Young. Yeah. Rightfully so, but you know what? This is um, this is the stage where if Bradley and I goes out and gets two sacks, people are going to be talking about Bradley and I yeah. as a top defensive player in the draft this year. They'll be talking about Zach Moss if he runs for 200-plus yards again mm-hmm. as one of the top running backs in, in the country. 
they'll be talking about Tyler Huntley, you know, the Huntley for Heisman, hashtag Huntley for Heisman. He goes out and throws three touchdowns, connects with Brant Keithy for a couple, finds uh, our boy Samson Nakua or, um, you know, any of his talented wide receivers, Solomon Enos, uh, Jalen Dixon for a touchdown. You know, he's going to get some help there. Mm-hmm. So just go out and show your full capabilities. Don't, honestly, don't show any sportsmanship. Yeah. No, I agree. I think Kyle is such a, is such a game, like a, a, a good sportsman that, you know, during the season you could see he let up on a lot of teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, it hurts to say this too, but even on BYU, like they should have ran up the score against BYU. Honestly, they took a knee to end the game on in yeah. in the red zone. And it's now, it's now or never. I think this is a special season. Kyle Whittingham will be the greatest coach in Utah history because he's gonna make. It, like if he makes it to the playoffs, he's gonna make it to like the Pac-12 championship. I'm pretty sure. Um, but the only way to ensure that all these things come tr- come true is he's got to run up that score. He's got to. Every senior on Utah's team has to show up and you know maybe break personal records. You know, like you said, Bradley and I needs to have like four or five sacks, right? Yeah. Uh, um, Jalen Johnson needs to have like four or five picks. You yeah. know. Uh, a lot of pick sixes. Lucky Fotu's got to just destroy that offensive line. It's It's got to be such a dominating performance that there can't be a question that when Utah is left on the bubble of the college football playoffs, which honestly national media is going to try to do, they need to look back at this game and be like, oh, well, they, you know, they freaking beat Colorado, who just beat Washington. Mm-hmm. They beat Colorado 70 to nothing. Right. Right. And that's what it's got to be. And I think for the f- for the second time this season, Utah has a lot of the reins, a lot of the control of how their destiny is going to be mm-hmm. in having this game, primetime ABC. Um, and it, I don't know. I'm excited to see what happens. And I think there's nothing more that needs to be said other than Utah needs to just show up. So I, I think they will. I think they've got to. And, yeah, it'll be cool um, to see what they do this week. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, it like, I, like we said, it's not very often that, unfortunately, with what's happened with the Utes, even with their special season, because of the national names that are in the Pac-12, like Washington, Oregon, and USC, a lot of times their games are getting passed up for <laughs> first pick, um, which really is too bad because it, it's been to the detriment um, – of the Utes making, or not even just the Utes, but the Pac-12 making mm-hmm. um, the nation, the country aware. Yeah. And so what, honestly, the goal is, number one, you need to get the win. More yep. than anything else, you need to get the win. Number two, on top of that win, you need to leave a lasting impression. Yeah. When people are going into the weekend and the college football playoff committee is going into their meetings to discuss what the ranking should be you want to be you want to leave that impression that hey you know what these guys are the real deal Mm -hmm. they should be in the top four you want to be the team that they're talking about the first team that they're talking about when they bring up who is a mover who's climbing our our pole and i think utah has they have the talent to do it yeah it's a great chance i mean colorado's not a great team they beat washington which was a surprise Mm mm-hmm um, 
but Colorado has has something to play for. They're playing for poll eligibility right now. They're mm-hmm. five and six. If they win, then you know they have a chance to go to a bowl game. It's not guaranteed, but they have a chance. Yeah. If they lose, they don't have a chance. And so, yeah, it'll be. It's a big matchup. I mean, yeah. every every single game is a big matchup when, um, you're riding an undefeated or one loss season, mm-hmm. but go out and finish the job, Utes. Yeah, they got to finish it. And you know what? This is such a good season to to finish strong on because it's Colorado, right? Yeah. I mean, you look at everyone else that's fighting for a playoff uh, spot, and they've all got like hard. Bama's got to play Auburn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Um, Utah plays Colorado and then goes to the Pac-12 championship, and who do they play? Oregon. Yeah. Which they beat last year with yeah. essentially the same team yeah. on both sides. So it's it looks great for these, and they just got to get it done. Yeah, yeah. Like you said, um, Auburn plays Alabama – or Alabama, Alabama plays Auburn, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Ohio State's going to be playing Michigan. Yeah. They've dominated that um, – that rivalry mm-hmm. but still it's it's a big game and you said lsu's got to play georgia in in the eventually. sec yeah. championship game and so, so it's yeah the all everyone else has hard games coming up and youths have colorado and then a north team that they've already beat yeah so uh yeah it's just they just got to get it done twist the knife you know mm-hmm. go uh go 110 percent on in this game yeah no i agree um but yeah, it's this is a really special team. Yeah, um, seeing them in person. This is the first time I've seen them in person since the BYU game. Oh wow! To open the season, and they've grown so much. Mm-hmm. Just the swagger that they have, the the way that they carry themselves. They had that before, but it's just it's another level right now. They're so confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all starts with their quarterback Tyler Huntley. That guy just oozes confidence in it. Mm-hmm. It goes to everyone else on the team. Um, I mean, they show up to a game. It, it's it's a business. Yeah. And um, yeah, I just I want them to finish strong. Mm-hmm. Selfishly, because you know what, it's good for ratings. Yeah, it's good to cover. We get to go to a cool place for bowl season, and uh, you know what, these kids have worked hard, and I want to see them accomplish their goal for sure honestly and there's a lot of local kids on the team mm-hmm. and like we said before like millions of times before it's good for the state it's good for the region whether it's you know my beloved byu cougars or the youths like i'm i'm happy for them and i really want them to get things done because it's good for this side of the country mm-hmm. um but yeah anything else you uh, you want to say on the uh youths no, in fact, uh, let's take a quick break. Okay. When we come back, I'm going to tell you guys why Luke Staley is back at BYU. <laughs> Speaking of dominant performances, mm-hmm. the Coogies went to Amherst, Massachusetts. They came. They saw they conquered. They took care of business against UMass, a win that everyone knew that they were going to get. UMass yeah. is one of the worst FBS programs in the history of college football. I'm pretty sure they are the worst this year. Defensively. Sure. So they are the worst in the country. That Actually, no, they, they have won one game. They beat Akron this year. Okay. Akron is now 0-11. But <sighs> defensively, I think that they are the worst defense in FBS history. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are giving up over 50 points per game. 
Yeah. That trend continued yesterday. And uh, there were some surprises, though. Um, number one, I guess the first surprise wasn't that Zach Wilson looked really good, but it was great to see Zach Wilson kind of shake off some of the rust that he had against Idaho State. Mm-hmm. 17 for 20 for um, just under 300 yards. He had three touchdowns. Um, really, I mean, he could have kind of orchestrated whatever he wanted Yeah. in this game. Um, honestly, he should have been 19 for 22. Yeah. Uh, he put the ball in the right spot, but UMass had two plays where, uh, their DBs made great catches. And then on the third, um, in completion, his wide receiver got his hand on the ball. Yeah. So, um, really impressive performance. Uh, oh, excuse me. He threw for four touchdowns. So 17 for 20, 293 yards, four touchdowns. But it's not Zach Wilson's performance that everyone's talking about. It's Jackson McChesney. Who? Yeah, Jackson McChesney. Okay. If you guys have followed prep football in Utah or BYU recruiting, this guy's been on your radar for like six plus years. Mm-hmm. He's from Lone Peak High School. He was a stud at Lone Peak. Yeah. Um, One of the best athletes that the school's produced in a long time. And uh, he committed when he was like a sophomore, um, just returned from his mission. This is the second game he played, and he played last week against Idaho State. And he looked really good. And Sione Finau goes down with an ACL injury. Jackson McChesney steps in, and um, he runs wild. He runs for 228 yards. Mm-hmm. This coming after he ran for 46 yards against... Um, Idaho State, he should have had more. He had a 40-plus yard run called back for holding. But 15 carries for 228 yards. That's a 15.2 yard per carry average. Two touchdowns. His long was 62 yards. And, yes, I get it. it this is UMass. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, second You game. know who didn't put up those type of averages? Lapini Katoa, the guy who was the starting running back this year. Yeah. He was higher on the depth chart. I think Jackson McChesney... Has a lot of promise. Yes, and so um, I, I think there's a lot of um, I think him and Sione Finau are going to be a great one-two combo. Mm-hmm. And you throw in Lapini Katoa, I think Lapini's role is going to change a little bit moving yeah. forward. I think that he might be more of a third-down power type back. Um, he's a guy that can still catch balls out of the backfield, mm-hmm. but that's a pretty good stable of running backs, even without Tyson Williams coming back next year. It's a great rotation. Um, I was really impressed with uh, Algier's breakaway, or sorry, not Algier, McChesney's breakaway speed. Um, yeah, it's just he had so many. The way he ran was so good and so efficient that it really just got me thinking about a bunch of other running backs that he really reminded me of. Did he remind you of anybody in particular? There were a few. Okay. Um, so I said Luke Staley. Yes. Uh, Luke Staley, definitely. Yeah. Remind me a lot of Luke Staley. For sure. Uh, for me, he's kind of like Christian McCaffrey-ish. Um, with the McChesney, way... McChesney, McCaffrey. Yeah, it's really similar. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Similar speed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah, just uh, good command of the... Uh, kind of shifty, but has a little bit of power, A little too. bit of power. I'd like to see McChesney catch the balls. Mm-hmm. Um, that's really what McCaffrey does differently. Uh, another guy he reminded me of... Do you remember uh, uh, Peyton Hillis? He was with the Browns. 
He was on the cover of Madden. Yeah. Had a breakout season in 2010. He kind of reminded me of him a little bit. Yeah. That's, I like it. Um, yeah, I can't, I don't know. I'll have to think a little bit more about who else he reminds me of, but that one game sold me on McChesney, man. So a couple other guys he reminded me of, Craig James. Okay. If you remember him, he played for SMU back in the day, long NFL career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Merrill Hodge. Oh, yeah. Son of, uh, <laughs> or father of former BYU quarterback Bo Hodge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's a good one. Merrill Hodge is a good one. Yeah. What about uh, Rex Burkhead? Another oh, yeah. former Patriots running back. And uh, this one's kind of reaching in um, to like pop culture. We always got to talk pop culture yeah, on Sports Street sure. After Hours. What about Tim Riggins? Oh, yeah. Good old Tim Riggins. <laughs> yeah, Tim Riggins, man. Um, maybe even uh, Doak Walker? <laughs> <laughs> Doak Walker. He has an award named after him. Yeah. Is that in McChesney's future? No, in uh, in all reality, I think McChesney really does have a lot of potential. For I'm sure, very for excited sure. for him. I have been excited for him for a long, long time. Like since he committed, um, I can't. I mean, he has the opportunity to be BYU's leading rusher mm-hmm. and a redshirt. Yeah, especially with this kind of season so mm-hmm. far. I mean, imagine it's this. a head start. He plays. So he gets his redshirt year, plays four years after that. Yeah. He could be BYU's leading rusher in five seasons. That would be great. That would be that would be insane. I wonder if that's an NCAA record. That's something that I actually. Oh, for like a redshirt freshman or a true freshman? True well, no, 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 freshman? no. For someone to lead their team in rushing for five years. Oh. He has the potential question. to do it. That's true. Um. Like seriously, his his breakaway speed, he's shifty, he can run over people. And yes, I know that it was UMass, but right. I'm excited to see what he can do against San Diego State this week. Mm-hmm. I'm excited to see what he can do in the bowl game. Yeah. Um these yeah. are these are valuable reps for a guy that um is gonna be a key part of this offense moving forward. And he's really important. But BYU has no run game right now. Yeah. Besides him. Honestly. Like they're, they you, moved Algier back from linebacker. Lapini's right. been in and out of the lineup um, due to multiple injuries throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And having a game like this, a solid first game like this, well, I guess second game, but having a solid game like this will, for the next two games in the season, really help him solidify his spot, you know, in the in the rotation for running backs. And so... That'd be that's a really interesting question. I wonder we'll have to get Mitch Harper on eventually and talk yeah. talk history of running backs at yeah. BYU. Um but yeah, super excited. Yeah. Um well we we have been meaning to do this and we're gonna make it quick. Yeah. Um but we promised last week that we would um get Sam and Matt on to talk the Mandalorian. Uh, due to some unforeseen circumstances, we weren't able to. Basically, we got locked out of our studio twice. Yeah, it's stupid. Um, but it's something that we plan to resolve moving forward. But him and I just want to take some time to quickly talk just kind of the first three episodes and maybe where we think this show is going. Okay. Um, so overall thoughts. What What are your thoughts on The Mandalorian? Are you happy with it? Oh, I love it. I was excited for The Mandalorian to come out. And let me just talk 
a little bit about why I was so excited for it to come out. Um, I know a lot of people were like, what the hell is a Mandalorian? But um, without getting into that detail, it's Boba Fett, right? If mm-hmm. you're familiar with Star Wars at all, you know who Boba Fett is. He's a Mandalorian. And when Attack of the Clones came out in, what, 2002, I think? Yeah, early 2000s. Um, I watched it in the theater with my family, and I was pleasantly pleasantly surprised to find out that the guy that plays Jango Fett, Boba Fett's dad, in the show is a guy from New Zealand. Um, if you've never heard our story or heard our show here before, where I talk about where my parents are from, my mom's from New Zealand. Okay, so she's Maori, and the guy that plays Jango Fett is Maori. And so from then on, I was like, dude, these are my people. If if I identified with anybody in Star Wars, it's the Mandalorian. So. When The Mandalorian came out, I was super stoked to see it, and I didn't know what to expect because um, with every Star Wars movie that came out, like there's a lot of it that I love, but then a lot of them that I don't like, so I was kind of worried that I'd hate parts of this TV show. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, it's been a pleasant surprise. I freaking love it. It's a slow burn, and I, I love it. It's it's like a old western, and I love it, and yeah. I love it. What about you? Um, so I do think the first two episodes were a slow burn, mm-hmm. but then we were thrown into the action episode three, and episode <sighs> three, was, three was seriously amazing. Yeah. Um, I came home from work on Thursday night at one a.m., sat on my couch, and anxiously <laughs> tried to fire up my TV, and it was not working, and I was freaking out. Uh huh. And I finally got it working, and I couldn't sleep after that because I was just so full of adrenaline. It was. Yeah. It was amazing. Everything. So I didn't have high expectations for this, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my experience with like a lot of companies trying to create new streaming services and stuff, yeah. like a lot of times it falls flat on their face starting out. Mm-hmm. Um, there are only a handful of things that have been like real home runs for um, streaming services to start out. Like House of Cards, Mrs. Oh, right. Maisel. You're talking about content-wise. Yeah, wise. just content-wise. Yeah. Finding, programming original content is hard to do. Yeah. And honestly, Star Wars hasn't been, hasn't lived up to the billing since Rogue One, in my opinion. I Interesting. I I just feel, like, I, I was happy with Solo. I was happy with Episode Eight. But it didn't knock my socks off. It wasn't the best thing I'd ever seen. Interesting. It lived up to my expectations. But when it comes to Star Wars, mm-hmm. I want my socks to be knocked off. I want right. it to be better than I expect. And that's what Rogue One was. That's what Episode 7 was. And that's why I, I hope Episode 9 does that. Yeah. Um, And I just had kind of low expectations for The Mandalorian because okay. of that. I just I haven't been excited about Star Wars the last couple of years, but I'm excited again. The Mandalorian is like you said, it's, it's a different genre. It's a different space to explore. They kind of throw you right into the middle of things mm-hmm. um, to start it. And you're kind of playing catch up, trying to figure things out. And I kind of like that. I love that. It reminds yeah. me of how a new hope started. Yeah. Exactly. You know, they're just thrown right into the middle of things and you just figure it out. I still have so many questions, but it's it's so good. And having that Western genre, um, 
I, I love Westerns. Mm-hmm. I, I enjoy them. And so having this with something that has established IP that I really, um, and draw them to is really cool. And, um, the special effects have been great. The acting has been great. The Easter eggs have been great. Mm-hmm. And then just the biggest surprise of all the baby Yoda. Yeah. Like I'm so drawn to this. I'm so interested to see where this, they take the show, the direction of it that I look forward to this more than just about anything else that I'm watching on TV right now. Mm-hmm. The cool thing <clears throat> about this TV series that I didn't expect, but I love is that usually in the new star Wars things. And obviously with like the, the star Wars, like stories, like episode three, four, five, six, seven, eight, um, there's a continuing story that they got to build off of. Mm-hmm. But with the Mandalorian, there's not really anything like you don't see, uh, you know, Ray or anyone like, it's just n- all new characters. You don't know, like, you know who, you don't know who the Mandalorian is, but you know what a Mandalorian is just mm-hmm. by looking at him. So in that sense, like it surprised me that they didn't have, um, a bunch of already established characters in it, which is gr- which I, find that i love yeah that i love that there's nobody i don't recognize anybody obviously except for baby yoda right like right. you know he looks like a yoda but um yeah it's just I, I i can't wait to see what the next episode is um when we have matt and sam on we'll dissect it a little bit more we'll talk more about each episode like yeah things easter eggs you know um Matt is a big Star Wars head, much like we are, and so we'll kind of get into like the nitty gritty of the episodes. But um, for now, I think that's great, like that we both have positive outlooks on this program. And uh, maybe the biggest downside is that it has we have to wait an entire week yeah. for a new episode. Yeah. Um, well, I'm excited to see the direction that they go. Uh, all, the episodes are dropping every Friday. Except for the last episode drops the Wednesday before Rise of the Skywalker. Oh, interesting. And, out. and so here's my prediction. Okay. I think it's going to tie in to episode nine somehow. Okay. I think that we're going to be led into a direction that it's going to tie into some sort of storyline or it's going to introduce something. Interesting. It, it may even be a small, small thing. Yeah. But there's going to be an Easter egg, in, I, I think, in episode nine that ties yeah. to the Mandalorian. It, that'd be cool. And, you know, just so people that don't know, there's only going to be eight episodes of the Mandalorian. Okay. And so we're like almost halfway there. Yeah. So that's kind of crazy to think about. Yeah. Um, But I keep seeing like all these like commercial, like, you know how when you talk about something and then you start seeing commercials for it, like on your phone or like on the internet and it kind of freaks you out or whatever. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously I've been talking about the Mandalorian like every day since it came out and I see only Mandalorian and star Wars commercials. Well, a lot of the Mandalorian commercials that I've been seeing and the trailers and whatever, there's like scenes with like people that are obviously working with the Mandalorian. They're like secondary characters, Mm -hmm. supporting characters that haven't been introduced. That haven't been introduced yet. And we're like almost halfway into the series. So, um, I think that, what you said is true. I think it's got to tie in somehow because how else are you going to continue the character development of all these new characters that we've been seeing? Yeah. Um, but also it'll be cool to see um, each character get fleshed out a little bit more because right now we only know Mando and baby Yoda. Yeah. <laughs> and, that's basically and we don't it. know anything about them to be honest. True. Yeah. 
So, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. It'll be cool. Yeah, uh, we'll talk more about it again when we can get Matt in because um, he really – we're going to have the, – the it'll be a long, enthusiastic conversation. We have yeah. a lot of time this week because, honestly, we don't have much going on in the state. So yep. um, there is a lot of sports going on, but pretty much only the, the Utes are in town this week. Mm-hmm. So um, you guys have that to look forward to. But until then – we're going to get some sleep. Yeah, we're going to go get some sleep. Uh, Emma, will you uh, take us out? Yeah. Thank you for listening to Sports Beat After Hours. I am Emma Hamuli Jr. We appreciate everything you've, uh, all the podcasts you've downloaded and all the reviews you've left. So keep leaving them. Keep sharing them with your friends. It'll be great. Um, I am Emma Hamuli Jr. He's Zachary Hicken. Good night, everybody.